The Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe. It's electrified. Boogie, woogie, woogie. So you can boogie, woogie, woogie into the forest. Boogie. Boogie, woogie, woogie through the mud. Or boogie, woogie, woogie to work, where you boogie, woogie, woogie down the hall to your boss's office to tell him you quit. Then you boogie, woogie, woogie to the elevator as he boogie, woogie, woogies after you, begging, please, take me with you. The electrified Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe. Learn more at jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Need weekend plans? Check out what's happening at your local Lowe's. Weekending at Lowe's gives you and your family the opportunity to make us your weekend destination. Stop by for free workshops, events, and activities for everyone to enjoy. We're getting active with fun local events like our upcoming Lowe's Bucket Ball Challenge and Kids Workshop. Visit Lowe's.com events for our full event lineup. Count on Lowe's for all of your home improvement needs. And now, activities in your community with Weekending at Lowe's. What's better than this? Ah, he's being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday episode of the show. Football is back and better than ever, and as always, Bet Online is the number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BLEAV, that is B-L-E-A-V. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. Kyle, happy Thursday to you. Happy Thursday. And it is indeed a happy Thursday because we are not alone here on the Draft Dudes podcast. And we're not joined by our producer, Chris Schubert, either. We are joined by none other than Mark Schofield, uh, a tremendous mind for the game. Mark, uh, we kind of came onto the social media scene together. It's been really cool to see all the opportunities that have come Mark's way. So Mark, first and foremost, welcome to Draft Dudes. We want to give you the opportunity to remind everybody uh, where they can find all of your latest works and uh, a little bit about your background and how you've came to be in the chairs that you currently sit. Well, guys, it's an honor to be here. Um, obviously, I uh, know you guys very, very well. Huge fans of both of you. It's been great to see the rise of the two of you as well. It's it's fun to see. Um, as for me, look, washed up, failed quarterback at the collegiate level. I'm proud to say that from the years 1997 and 1999, I was the worst quarterback in all of college football. And as such, I've learned what you're not supposed to do at the quarterback position and what Good quarterback plays actually supposed to look like, although I can never do it myself. Um, you can follow me on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. You could see USA Today Touchdown Wire, Pat's Pulpit, Big Blue View, Blooney Green Nation, Blogging the Boys, do a bunch of different stuff. Um, but mostly, I, I, I that's think it? that's it. I think that's it. I'm, I'm not quite positive. Oh, footballguys.com. I write over there as well from time <laughs> to time. I do miss stuff each week. Like, I, I don't know how, you know, I, I haven't gotten fired by somebody at some point. I mean, I'm, I'm going to blow a deadline here, but it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to talk some QBs with you guys. Yes. Mark, well, I, you haven't got fired because the content's good. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, I, whenever 
I see a tweet on the timeline come through and it's Mark Field, Mark Schofield, and it's the three throw deals, man. I, I can't get enough. I love that. So make sure everybody hits follow on at Mark Schofield on Twitter. And obviously a player that you've spent a lot of time on recently is Justin Herbert, the quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers, who, let's face it, he's off to an unbelievable start to his career. I mean, he was awesome last year. They you know, improved the offensive line this year, new coaching staff. I think everybody really loves what they're seeing from Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert just continues to excel. And so, I mean, I guess I just want to leave it open-ended. Like what's your prevailing thought when you consider Justin Herbert and what you've seen so far from him through, what is it, 20 starts or so? Yeah, I mean, guys, he's been so good Like since he basically took over last year. And I think there are some lessons from the Justin Herbert we're seeing right now for the evaluation side of the game. And there are also some lessons about just what we missed on and what we couldn't have seen coming. I think when you look back, you watch, you rewatch his time at Oregon. Nobody saw his ability under pressure like this, like, like his ability to make throws from crowded pockets with trash at his feet, with pressure at his face. Like you could look at some numbers and dig them up. And he was the best quarterback when pressured last year in the NFL period, like better than guys like Rogers, Brady, Mahomes, those guys. And when we all watched him in Oregon, none of us saw that coming, right? Like that, that was not the guy we saw, you know, his final year at Oregon. And so that's been incredible to see. I think some other lessons, you know, and we know them, right? Scout the traits versus the scheme because that Oregon offense did him absolutely no favors, like bubbles, tunnels, all sorts of horizontal stuff in the passing game. When they allowed him to throw deep, like he could hit on some throws, but it was very much like he had a game wouldn't drive against Arizona state where it was like tunnel, tunnel, bubble, tunnel, bubble. It's like, what, what are we doing here? And then he hits a deep shot to win it. And you're like, why don't you build the whole plan out of the deep shots? But they never did that for him, but that's what they did with his offense and the Chargers the past two seasons. It's been a lot of stuff downfield. And so that gets us to the idea that look, landing spot scheme fit it's so critical right like you take a quarterback that was asked to do x in the college game now you're letting him do the stuff he's actually good at and he's having success well wow like isn't that what we're supposed to be doing with guys it's like the justin field scenario in chicago you drafted him to run matt Nagy's offense that's not what he's good at like now you see with bill laser on the more vertical stuff of the passing game you're seeing him some have have some success so landed fit Coach had fit. Shane Steach and Pep Hamilton did such a good job at sort of developing him last year. You're seeing that now with Lombardi in this offense, so that's critical. And then there's the, the side of the the leverage throws. And I, the more I think about quarterbacks and young quarterbacks and how they sort of develop and acclimate, I used to be so dogmatic, guys. I'd be like, oh, you know, he missed a coverage rotation. Oh, he didn't see that that was like cover four. He didn't see it was stubby. He didn't, no. Can you put the football where it needs to be against the leverage of the nearest defender? Like you don't need to be like so, you know, critical when it comes to like, can they read coverages out or not? Can you put the football where it needs to be? And that's something that Justin Herbert does so well, right? Like he had a throw this past week against the Browns where they showed him too high. 
it was a fourth down. They spun it to single high. They dropped one of the safeties down in one cross to take away the crosser. Okay, I'm going to throw the speed out to Keenan Allen, just put it where it needs to be. Like, he probably doesn't know exactly which coverage it is. He's probably not saying it's cover one cross or whatever, but he can put the football where it needs to be. And I think that combined with athleticism, the ability to throw versus leverage, the ability to just create time with your legs, those are becoming like non-negotiables for me. Like, if you can do that, those two things early in your career, you can do them in college you're going to be okay in the pros can i sneak one more in here mark that that plays with with what you're talking about there yeah i got stuff that plays with it too let's go well i'll let you go back to back we got a great mind here in mark Schofield. we obviously want to pick your brain you talked about landing spots and how important that is for quarterbacks and you know we're obviously kind of focusing on justin herbert but i think i can pretty confidently say that if you were to redraft all the quarterbacks in the nfl right now the first three picks would be a combination of Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Josh Allen. And none of those three players were universally loved in terms of the scouting process. There was very polarizing opinions about all of them. None of them were the first quarterback in their draft class. Herbert was three. Allen was three. Mahomes was two. Um, what gives here? What, what, what can we learn as an evaluation community about – the hard stances that a lot of us took with those quarterbacks and what we've seen from them to this point. I mean, I think there's a couple of things and it's a great question. It's something that we all need to sort of grapple with. It's like sort of learning from misses because, you know, Allen wasn't my QB one, you know, um, he was not. And, you know, when we come to Herbert, I was higher on him than most. I went back and redid, re-looked at some of the stuff I did on him when he was coming out. And I made a case for him to be QB1, but ultimately I didn't put him there. And, you know, when you look at these guys coming out, look at where they were as prospects, you see some of those non-negotiables I was just talking about, the athleticism and the ability to throw against leverage. Like, for example, you know, were we making the case, if you would have told me right now, you know, or four years ago when Allen was coming out, that he'd be a timing and rhythm and anticipation throughout. I said, you were crazy, but he's had that ability to do that now, but he's also got that athleticism. He's also got the ability to throw against leverage, put throws where it needs to be. And that was still a stretch at the time. You know, I don't think anybody would have thought that Josh Allen would be able to do that as well, but with the Allen lesson, it's the consistency around him. Obviously, Brian Dable, one offensive coordinator the entire time, as well as his own sort of growth and development and work ethic as a quarterback that maybe we should have seen coming. Maybe not, you know, but that's part of the process where we don't always get the information with Mahomes. Mahomes, the lesson for me is and it's the idea of mechanics don't matter until they matter. Because if you remember the Mahomes battle, it was his footwork's too sloppy, his throw in motion's too ridiculous, like he's too loose with things, like he's this is not going to work in the pros. And we're ignoring the fact that he's ripping, you know, back shoulder throws, left hash, right sideline, 50 yards downfield. It might look messy, but the ball is getting there what it needs to be there. Like if you can do that, I don't care how it looks. Now, if he's missing throws because of his mechanics, then yeah, that's when the mechanics matter. But with Mahomes, we haven't really seen that from him. And so, you know, this is always a learning process. For me, you know, I I was talking about this last night. I'm a kid that grew up watching Montana. And so my model of a quarterback as I got into this process, when I played the position was Montana, accuracy, making throws from the pocket and all that stuff. In today's NFL, it's, it's a different game. 
it, it's that spatial game. It's the throws against leverage, the throws against out leverage defenders. It's the ability to make throws on the move. You have to constantly sort of hone your value, open up and change your process in terms of how you evaluate these players with where the game is trending. You know, 15 years ago, Mac Jones is QB one last year is QB five for a reason, you know, because this is a game that you're trending in the direction of the athletic quarterback, athletic quarterbacks with those raw traits have a, easier developmental curve because they can buy time with their legs on a given play. They could extend plays when there's pressure in the pocket. And frankly, you can use them as a weapon in the run game in this era of NFL football, where teams are showing those two high looks, daring you to run the football. What's a way to get them out of it. What did we see the Buffalo bills do against the Colts in the playoffs show run the quarterback, run the quarterback, change the numbers game highly into your favor now run the quarterback against light boxes you're not going to do that with mac jones you're going to do it with trey lance and so part of the process of this whole evaluation game is sort of keeping up with the trends of the nfl and then seeing the guys coming out who can best run those concepts mark i think you know i, I love the fact that you took this into what defenses are trying to dictate what they want you to do offensively right, right? and you think about those non-negotiables and you talk about athleticism and we talk about Justin Herbert and Mahomes and, and Josh Allen with how they kind of change the rules because you can be off your back foot at 12 yards of depth in the backfield and still hit that soft spot in zone coverage. That's yep. 15 yards at the sideline to the field that they're like, Hey, if, if they're going to make that throw, you tip your cap to him, you come back and you, you try and get him in that spot again and hope they miss. Well, no, that's been the biggest thing for me when you're talking about non-negotiables is yeah. if they're going to give you those intermediate throws near the sideline and you can make them pay like, Holy cow. And I remember one of those throws with Justin Herbert, I don't remember who they were playing and it was a ball that ended up being incomplete because the ball was out of bounds, but he had given about 10 yards of depth and was just starting to come back downhill in towards the line of scrimmage. This thing's a frozen rope, 45 yards downfield on the sideline, like on the face mask of of the player. So as you uh, begin to move forward from here, and you've referenced Trey Lance and the traits that he brings, and and we think about Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And I guess my first question is kind of piggybacking off of that is how have you seen non-negotiables show themselves for some of the rookie quarterbacks through the first couple of weeks of the season thus far, is there anybody or any trait that jumps to you in particular, whether it's Jacksonville finally getting Trevor Lawrence involved in the run game against Cincinnati or, you know, Zach Wilson being able to extend the play and step up in the pocket. And obviously he hasn't had some of the statistical success of some of the other quarterbacks, but what jumps out to you in this year's rookie class thus far in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at Zach Wilson. You can look at some of the Zach Wilson throws that he made against Tennessee. You can look at some of the Zach Wilson throws he made, even at a loss against Carolina, where he had that sort of, and I know people's opinions of it were mixed, but he had that whole shot along the left sideline where in an ideal world, he stays in the pocket and makes rips that throw immediately, but he sort of buys time with his legs and then makes a ridiculous whole shot throw when he's getting hit. You know, with Trey Lance, you see the velocity he can generate on throws. With Lance, it's interesting because, and there are a lot of parallels between Lance and Josh Allen. 
And one of the ones that I've drawn in my mind is the sense that the ability to generate upper tier elite velocity is a blessing and a curse at times for young quarterbacks, because you see it a lot with Lance where he feels like he can take that extra half second and he can still get the throw where it needs to be. He could take that extra half second to read something out and then just try to generate velocity on throws and get the ball there. Now, Sometimes he's right and he can do that. Other times he had an interception against the Chargers in the preseason where it was a bit late and he missed. He had the interception this week on the Benjamin play early where he had the curl route early in the down, waited on it, didn't quite feel comfortable with it. Then tries to rip a throw and he's off target and he misses it. And so, you know, there's a balance in to be done by these young quarterbacks when they have that arm, they can rely on it. But at times it almost acts as more of a crutch than anything else. I think what's interesting with Lawrence is they're finally doing some things with him that are putting him in a position to be successful. Kyle, you mentioned the run game stuff. They're getting LaVisca Chenault involved. He's making some of those leverage throws, which are, have been very impressive. He had the deep crosser against the Bengals, which sort of lit up the timeline. But my favorite play from him in that game was a third down where he just saw off coverage on the backside and just threw, took advantage of it, took what the defense gave him. He had a concept call to the left side, comes off of it, immediately throws that speed out to move the chains on a third down. Lawrence's ability to make decisions, right decisions in the pre-snap phase and then follow up in the post-snap phase has been extremely impressive to me. You know, we can mention Mac Jones. Mac Jones is going through a feeling out process with his arm. And, you know, he's trying to figure out and he's going to have to learn. It's not Saturday against Missouri. You know, when you've got Jacoby Myers with a couple of steps against Jason McCourty on a cross route on a zero blitz look, you can't put air under the throws. Like these defensive backs are going to negate separation with the ball in flight. So you're going to have to dial up velocity. And maybe Jones's arm isn't there right now. It's going to have to get there as, as he goes forward in the NFL. You know, watching these young guys, I'm excited about all five of the first round picks. I mean, I think all five have the potential to be good to great NFL quarterbacks, but they're going through some some bumps and some lessons along the way. It's never easy adjusting to life in the NFL, especially as a rookie QB. So Joe's going to grace me with the double dip. I'm going to take it here. And I wanted to ask you specifically about Mac, because there, there's been a lot of national scale love for Mac Jones. And he's been largely efficient with the football, but kind of curious how you feel as, as opportunities that maybe they're in the play calls or maybe that they aren't asking him to take to create more intermediate and deeper throws down the field. You see a lot of the volume for them happening underneath them. Kind of curious as, as obviously with your connections and following through new England very closely, you would know as well as anyone. Um, how has the aggressiveness been both from a play calling perspective and then from an execution perspective to work some throws down the field for Mac and how has he seen the field in those instances? Yeah, I mean, look, the the four letters used most often in, in responses or direct messages to me are A dot, average depth of target. There's a lot of anxiety in the New England area about Mac Jones from a is he aggressive enough standpoint. Every every Monday or Tuesday, I have people, whether it's beat writers, whether it's you know just fans, like sending me clips, like shouldn't he throw this deep here? They're calling opportunities for him to hit on plays downfield. He's not always taking them. You know, he is being a bit more conservative, you know, when he's tried to go deep, either he's missed throws or he's thrown interceptable passes or he's been intercepted. And so I think it's a bit of a kid with a hand on the stove situation. He's gotten burned a couple of times. And now, 
you know, he's a bit more conservative with the football. You know, there was, for example, against the Jets, they had, you know, a trick play called where he's got Aguilar open for a touchdown over the top and he takes the intermediate crosser and it's a big gain and you never want to get on somebody for taking, you know, making a 20 yard gain on a, on a passing play, but he's passed up on an opportunity to throw deep. And, you know, he's, he's going through this learning curve of what can he do? What can he get away with? What throws can he make? What throws can he not make? All these young quarterbacks are doing that. We heard Zach Wilson talk about it during training camp. Like I have to learn what I can and cannot do. They've put the entire offense in his lap. It's not a situation where Josh McDaniels is not calling things or shying away from concepts or shying away from responsibilities. Mac Jones is set in protections. He's doing everything that they asked of Tom Brady. They basically just said, look, we're going it. We're putting everything in this kid's lap and he's going to have to figure it out. And he's, He's had some good games. You know, they let him make some aggressive stuff over the middle. Last week against Houston, they started doing more stuff in the play-action passing game, attack in the middle of the field. Now, Houston does a lot of cover three stuff, a lot of single high stuff, so he had opportunities to do that. The touchdown to Hunter Henry, I thought, was perhaps his best throw yet. It was a really good job of reading that out, seeing the, the formation, the corner over the Y-ISO tight end, knowing it's going to be his own coverage look, putting the throw at a big spot in a big situation. So, He's had some good moments and he's had some bad ones. I, I, you're right, Kyle. There's been a lot of national love. He's been okay. Like he's had some good moments and some bad moments. I, I, I don't think it's a situation where it's time to like get the banners ready and get the gold jacket ready. Like some in new England want to do. He's had some good moments, but he's also had a lot. He's got to improve at, and you know, he's got to get better and more consistent downfield. The arm is a short-term problem. I think can get fixed over time with, you know, tightened up mechanics a little bit, some lower body strength and things like that. So I'm not worried about it as a long-term problem, but right now, and in a week like this against a guy like Trayvon Diggs, who's so good at the ball in the air, it might be a problem. Mark, as we have this conversation, a quote came through the timeline, courtesy of Ravens defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, talking (laughs) about Justin Herbert. He said, he's one of those guys that could throw a strawberry through a battleship. Yep. <laughs> I've not heard that before, but I've uh, not that's... heard that before either. But when you see Justin <laughs> Herbert and Kyle mentioned one throw, he had another one against Washington week one where it's the whole shot cover two look, go flat. You're waiting to see if that corner, you know, is going to trap the flat route or if he's going to stay deep. He rips it. The second he sees that corner's hips kind of just stay parallel to the line of scrimmage. So he's going to trap the flat route before the, the outside receiver even clears the corner. He's ripping that with anticipation, 35 yards, left hash, right sideline on an absolute line. Like, so yeah, if there's a guy that can throw a strawberry through a battleship, if there's a (laughs) list of those guys, Herbert's on it and he's doing it with anticipation here in his second NFL season, which is crazy. Mark, I want to ask you about Lamar Jackson. And um, when I went through my, Second question where I listed off Herbert and Allen and Mahomes, I probably should have included Lamar Jackson, who also fits the same description of he was the fifth quarterback drafted in the class and uh, very wide ranging opinions about him as a prospect. But um, it feels weird saying that a guy that was the NFL MVP is having a breakout season, but his production in the passing game has significantly increased this year. And I think we always have recognized the dynamic playmaking ability of Lamar Jackson, but you know, that passing offense was not that productive last year. And I think a lot of us kind of thought that they would need to be able to throw the football more consistently, you know, and produce more in the passing game for them uh, to really, you know, make a run at a Super Bowl. And so 
I think it's pretty clear that he's doing that so far this year. The 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 volume of passing is there, the the accuracy is there. The I mean, all the metrics are there for you know what you're looking for in terms of passing game production. So I'm interested in, in a situation where it's not like they don't have Rashad Bateman, who they drafted in the first round, to be an right. answer for them. The offensive line is not what they want it to be with injuries up front. They don't have any of the running backs that they want to have, but Lamar Jackson is is on pace to have his best season as a passer. Yeah, he is. And I think, Joe, what's been fascinating to watch with Lamar is, and I think you're right the way you sort of frame it there. Two years ago, this guy's the MVP but he's actually having that breakout year kind of from the pocket, right? When you're seeing him do the things like the touchdown to Brown, where he shows the pump, it's a double move, but then he has the the wherewithal and the mindset of, I'm going to take my eyes back to the post safety. Now I'm going to freeze that post safety between the hash mark between the hashes. And then I'll throw that deep shot. He's moving defenders with his mind, moving defenders with his eyes. He's working like the touchdown to Andrews at the end of regulation, the, the touchdown to Brown to win it. You're seeing him go full field. Like the one he had to throw to Brown before um, the touchdown to Andrews at the end of regulation, where he's got the three receiver concept to the left. Doesn't like the look comes back, sees the shallow route from Prochet, Doesn't like that gets to basically his fifth read, which is Brown on the backside curl route. That's Lamar doing stuff that we didn't see him doing in 2019 or even 2020, right? Working like full field five progression read on a concept, getting to the fifth read and making a throw. Now he, that was a gassed Indianapolis defensive line by that point in the game. So he had the time to do it, but he's doing it. You see him against Denver, pumping on throws, moving defenders, then coming and hitting backside curls, backside digs. He's doing those little things from the pocket now, which you see guys like Brady do, and you, we all lose our mind, or, or a guy like you know Mahomes does it, or somebody else does it, we all sort of lose our mind. So he's doing the small, little, nuanced things from the pocket. And then you add to it that, look, he can pull and go. You know, if you decide to play man coverage and he sees nothing but the backs of defenders, he can pull it down and turn what could have been a sack into a 25, 30, 35 yard gain in the blink of an eye. He can adjust arm angles. He can make throws to all levels with accuracy. He's put it all together right now. And I this was fun and you guys will appreciate this. I remember his draft cycle. I put together a thread of people like praising Lamar, writing good things about Lamar. There's stuff from both of you guys in this thread. So there were people like us that were saying back in the day, look, he's a complete quarterback. He can play this position from the pocket. So there were flashes of it even back to Louisville. But to see him put it all together right now at the NFL, it's been incredible to watch. I guess in that light, and we think about Lamar and we've talked about landing spots and how that is so important how do we weigh that dynamic out where if you made a list of all 32 teams and you proposed a landing spot for Lamar Jackson before he came into the league and you t- tried to predict what the end result was going to be with each of those 32 teams, there's no question he's in one of the best spots, if not the best spot he could have possibly been into. Yeah. And you project him to a lot of the other teams that arguably were quarterback hungry or, or could have drafted him. And we, we're definitely not seeing anywhere near this stratosphere, at least in my opinion, of right. what we're seeing in Lamar now. Like, how do we, how do we account for that? How do, how do we change the narrative around that part of evaluating quarterbacks? 
Yeah, it, it's it's one of the hardest things to do. It, it's why I'm always of the mindset that tiers versus rankings make more sense. I think, you know, if you could just like like take last year and like your top tier of guys is the guys that went in the first round, you know, and maybe Trey Lance was not your QB one, but if he ends up in the right spot, like San Francisco, he might end up being the best of the bunch. You know, because especially when you start thinking about, okay, what offenses are these guys best suited to run? Now, a guy like, say, Trevor Lawrence, he's pretty much as scheme diverse as it gets, which is why I sort of ended up with him as my QB1, because you could drop him into a vertical-based pass and offense like they're kind of doing with him right now, and it's going to work. But I remember doing a show on him with Matt Waldron, and Matt's like, you could drop him into Baltimore. Like, he's he's, he's a good runner. Like, he could run mm-hmm. that kind of offense. You're certainly not going to have the results you're having with Lamar Jackson, but that's how scheme diversity is. Whereas a Mac Jones, he's certainly not running Baltimore's offense. He's not running, you know, most offenses in this league. Is He's got to do some things under center play action, things like that. So I think the idea of tiering quarterbacks, you know, these are the guys that, these are first round guys. Rank them any way you want. It's going to be which guys are more scheme dependent, landing spot dependent than others. And that might ultimately get you to the guy that you think is your QB one. And in my case last year, it's it's Lawrence. But you're right. The, the landing spot is so critical in this entire process because, you know, you look at Patrick Mahomes, the Bears famously trade up to Trubisky. If they trade up and get Mahomes, is Mahomes good? Probably. Is he the guy we're seeing right now? I don't think so. Like, I don't think sitting here right now as Matt Nagy's on his second iteration of quarterback development, I'm not sure Matt Nagy or that first year John Fox, they're getting the most out of Mahomes, unlike Andy Reid, who was able to do that. And so, you know, when we start thinking this next draft cycle, right, and I think we're going to get a lot of scheme-dependent guys, whether it's Matt Corral, whether it's Malik Willis, whether it's, you know, a guy that's making a run like Kenny Pickett. Like, these guys might be a lot more scheme-diverse and landing spot-dependent, and you got to then look at, okay, who are the teams going to be drafting quarterbacks? Who are the teams that are going to be going quarterback early? Do they have a record of quarterback development that gives you confidence that, say, you know, the New York Giants, say they decide to go quarterback, does anything about Jason Garrett and, Dan, and Joe Judge give you confidence they'll develop a new quarterback? I'm not so sure about that. Whereas, say, Carolina goes quarterback, if Joe Brady's still in place, there's at least an idea that, look, he can do some things offensively, schematically, to get the most out of a quarterback. He turned Joe Burrow into an interesting day three guy, into 1-1. And so maybe he can do that again with a guy like Matt Corral. But the landing spot, it's so critical. The scheme fit, it is so critical. Looking for that record of quarterback development it is so critical. But on our side, the evaluation side you start thinking about, okay, do we tier? Do we group? Do we say, look, you know, this guy might have the best traits of the group, but he's very scheme dependent. So other teams might look at him differently. He might need to find the best landing spot. Whereas this other guy, maybe he's the most well-rounded schematically. So he might have the more opportunities to be successful in the bigger sort of success band where he can pan out in the NFL. Last question for you, Mark, in light of talking about tiers, Looking ahead to the 2022 class, who are some guys that you like and think might end up landing in that top tier of quarterback prospects for you across the country? I mean, I think the easy ones right now, and again, this could change. We've got some resume statement type Mm -hmm. games coming up the pipe, but like you look at the two, Matt Corral and Malik Willis, like those guys have really excited me. I, I think Matt Corral, the big thing, and I know Kyle, you and I talked about this this summer, you know, cutting down on the interceptions. You know, he had what five against LSU, six I think against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's thrown a pick yet. Like he, like nope. he's cleaned things up. 
Um, obviously, the Lane Kiffin offense puts him in some good positions to be successful, but you're also seeing moments of him. I, I broke down his game, you know, the season opener against Louisville. He's moving defenders with his eyes. He's doing some of those little things from the pocket that always look good. Malik Willis, you know, there's a Lance type element, right? It's a lower level of competition, a little bit of a lower level. You know, he's making some mistakes. He had a good game last week, but he still threw three interceptions. Like he's still making some mistakes, but he delivers those flash moments. So obviously excited to see those two square off in November. The, the Pittsburgh kid, Kenny Pickett, like he's making this kind of charge up boards, perhaps taking advantage of the fall of two other quarterbacks I'll talk about in a second. He's got some games coming up. He's got Clemson. He's got a showdown in, in UNC against Sam Howell. If he continues this run, I, I said the other day, it might be like a Mac Jones style rise where he somehow gets himself into the first round. Carson Strong, the Nevada kid has looked pretty good. Uh, he certainly has the arm. I'm excited about him. No, but there are two guys that I think have left people underwhelmed. Spencer Rattler, it seems, has lost his job. And, you know, maybe he goes and transfers. Maybe he stays and fights for it. I don't know. But it's kind of a shame because after that pick against West Virginia, he played six quarters of pretty good football. Like, like he played pretty good in the second half against West Virginia. Looked pretty good against Kansas State. I know he had an interception in that game and an underthrown ball. But it seemed like he was figuring it out. Now he's lost his job. And then I think, look, the best piece I wrote about, I read about Sam Howell was something Joe wrote this week about Howell and how he's kind of left us underwhelmed. Like it doesn't seem right now, like Sam Howell is the type of guy that you're going to say top five of the NFL draft. I'm going to go all in on this kid right now. The offense, I think has kind of propped him up. He's made some mistakes. He's, He's done some silly things with the arm angles. Now maybe he turns it around. Maybe you look at him as a guy that like he just needs the right landing spot, the right coaching. Maybe a Joe Brady could turn him around. But right now, I'm not sold. So the guys I started with, the ones I'm, I'm most excited about right now. Everything we hoped it would be here and more courtesy of Mark Schofield. Make sure you follow him on the Bird app, as he said, right. at Mark Schofield. And you can triangulate and find all of the outlets, I'm not going to pretend to remember what they are. And I don't want you to get in hot water by going through them and forgetting Seriously, somebody. Seriously, I'm going to get the DMs <laughs> like you forgot to mention us. Like, oh, man, I'm sorry. So, Mark, we can't thank you enough for your time. Carving some time out, sit down, talk uh, college football and NFL quarterbacks with us here on the draft, dudes. That's going to do it for us today on the show. I want to thank our friends over at Bet Online and Homefield for their continued support of the podcast as well. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. And for today... Mark Schofield, thanks as always for tuning in. Hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow. The Jeep Wrangler 4xE. It's electrified. So you can boogie, woogie, woogie up a mountain, over creeks, or boogie, woogie, woogie through a desert where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie, woogie, woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out when they say no. You boogie, woogie, woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of antivenom and boogie, woogie, woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xE. Learn more at Jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Get ready because Scott's is taking over daylight saving time. It's such a big event that we're calling it day long saving time. And now it's got real savings. In fact, it's the biggest deals of the year. Audacious? Absolutely. So don't wait. Stock up early and you'll be able to save up to $20 on Scott's Triple Action and Easy Seed products today at the Home Depot and Lowe's. Offers available March 9th through 22nd at select U.S. stores. While supplies last, selection varies by location. See store for exact offers.